This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, October 5th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. ESPN is linking up with Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy to broadcast a new golf league. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Gus, thank you for joining us today. And there's some uh, conflicting data points when it comes to trying to uh, come up with a prediction for tomorrow's September jobs number. You do have the uh, ongoing rolling average of uh, first-time unemployment claims, which indicates that the labor market is still tight. However, the uh, ADP report from earlier this week suggests that maybe uh, the number could come in below analyst expectations. Uh, That's right. The ADP report was weak at about 89,000 jobs added uh, in uh, September in the in the private sector. That being said, initial claims for unemployment insurance have moved lower recently, close to 200,000, and they suggest that the job market is quite strong, uh, and that may be a problem for the Federal Reserve. Here at PNC, we're expecting to see job growth of better than 200,000 uh, for September, and that would be a significant concern for the Fed. Now, what is the difference in methodology between the ADP report and the Department of Labor? Because those numbers are rarely in agreement. Uh, that's right. So the ADP report is based on uh, the, the payroll processing firm, uh, their records for the private sector, uh, whereas the Bureau of Labor Statistics goes out and actually interviews businesses and uh, governments, nonprofits, things like that as well. So it's a broader number. Uh, it covers more industries, but it also covers a bigger swath of the economy. And what, uh, what kind of a picture of the labor market are we getting right now? I mean, we're talking about it in terms of what the Fed will do because the uh, ongoing fight against inflation is kind of the, the, the ongoing storyline of the past two years. But at the same time, if you are a job seeker, what does that market look like for you? Maybe there isn't a risk of being laid off, but at the same time, if you're looking, there's also a chance that those job openings uh, potentially will not be filled. It's still a pretty strong labor market out there, and businesses are still looking for for workers. Uh, We had a survey released that indicated that the number of job openings actually went up from July to August. Uh, So businesses are still looking for workers. When I talk with business people, they report that the availability of labor is their biggest concern. Uh, So it is still a good time to be out there looking for a job right now. We're talking to Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Obviously, the headline number is one of three numbers that people will be looking at tomorrow. The second one is wage growth. The third one is revisions to previous months. And what are the analysts saying about uh, uh, where they expect wage growth to come in and the possibility of revisions tomorrow? 
Um, yeah, so, you know, I think we'll see another okay increase in average hourly earnings for September, about 0.3%. Uh, that would mean that, that wage growth on a year-over-year basis would slow to a little bit north of 4%. I think the Fed would like to see something closer to 3.5%. That's consistent with the Fed's 2% of, uh, inflation objective. And then in recent months, we have seen downward revisions to job growth. So from the pet Fed's perspective, you know, that would be good uh, if we saw a little bit uh, weaker job job growth reported in, in July and August, uh, but we'll have to see how that plays out uh, with, the, with the revisions tomorrow. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, a new an, another golf league is coming to your TV. We'll talk about that next. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. ESPN has reached a rights deal with the startup Golf League being led by stars Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. Let's learn more from Tom Lason, media analyst based in Seattle. Find him on Twitter at Tom Lason. Tom, thank you for joining us us today it's called the tgl golf league it will air on espn and and what is the most uh, important proposition the most important part of this uh, uh, of this alliance here is it the fact that you have these two superstar golfers backing the league or is the fact they're on espn uh, I think it's a combination of both. You know, the good is that it's Tiger and Rory with a bunch of big investors trying to do something new here. The not so good, though, frankly, is that it's golf and it's a pretty narrow niche. And I, I say this tongue in cheek, but I think making it full contact with a little defense would really help this. But think Top Golf meets the Drone Racing League. This is going to be played in a purpose-built um, auditorium, or um, it's not a stadium, but more of an arena down in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, where a lot of the guys live. And um, the, the long game is going to be virtual. The short, the short game is going to be um, live action, actually, in the stadium. And it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can build audience flow, which is what they're trying to do on ESPN, because they're following the, the debut is right after the College Football National Championship on January 9th, the second match on the 16th, right after the Monday Night Football wild card game. So, you know, just like any other network, they're trying to build a schedule. And, and, and we've talked about this many times before, and that is live sports and just live programming in general is uh, what is keeping linear broadcast and cable TV competitive in this day and age in which there's so many streaming offerings on demand. And does that mean that the channels will reach out to various sports leagues because they need that live programming or will the desire to fill a live programming hole somewhere on somebody's schedule is causing some of these uh, more unorthodox leagues to, uh, uh, to, to, to come to prominence? That's how, that's how you get the backers. Yeah, I think so. You know, and we've seen that to some degree over the years with um, cage fighting and some of those other phenomena. And yeah, um, you're going to, I think some spinoffs, some minor league versions or off brand versions of some of the major sports leagues with big investors like this has big venues. Um, maybe is it a way uh, to go? Because as you, as you suggest, linear television is really aggregating. It's, it's only real playing field these days is live sporting events. So anything I think that can be invented that has the investing backup, um, that can meet a schedule, which is going to be tough with the PGA because the tour starts in January and you're going to have these guys having to fly back to Florida. I know a lot of them live there, but still we're talking about a lot of back and forth and 
um, on a more robust PGA schedule with more signature events that a lot of the big players are mandated to play in. It's going to be tough, and I think all the leagues are going to face that a little bit. And the real question is, can they build an audience? Is this gimmick going to work? Let's face it, this is going to be a huge display of technology. They're going to be all mic'd up with all kinds of forced jocularity, and um, we're going to see if golfers' personalities can carry can carry the show. That'll be interesting to see. Pickleball has come to prominence uh, and uh-huh. has a lot of celebrity backers, primarily because, once again, uh, you have channels that are looking for live content, whatever it may be. Um, is it actually generating ratings? Um, everything shares below a one, unless, unless you're looking at football and, and the major league sports. So pickleball... You know, I I have not looked into that at all, but I think that's a fine idea. It would not surprise me one single bit if there isn't going to be some kind of a streaming event for pickleball. Not just some of the events are being, you know, the individual events are being carried right now, but a league like this this one with teams in Boston, New York, Los Angeles, that kind of thing would surprise me a bit because I think it gestures at exactly what you're talking about, trying to aggregate this audience and seeing if they can build you know, some ratings flow through a stronger schedule, things that will pull people maybe from football and maybe they will watch a little um, golf with some technology into it. It's it's an experiment at this point, but um, based on the trends, which is live sports, um, our home base for broadcasters and MSOs these days, I, th- I think it makes some sense. And very quickly, Tom, 40 years ago, this is just one segment on ABC's Wide World of Sports, <laughs> and and you watch it only because it's raining and you can't mow the lawn. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> true, and it'll be interesting to see if this is uh, the thrill of victory or the agony defeat. I think with Tiger and Rory behind it, though, plus the PGA being in on this, and a potential, you know, triumvirate with live golf and and that coming through with some deep pockets. Um, this has a chance. We'll just have to see if it can gather an audience. Tom Lason, media analyst based in Seattle. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Opportunities abound in the healthcare field, highlighted by a major nursing shortage. Let's update the situation with Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Rick, thank you for joining us today. The nursing shortage is staggering and is expected to get even worse as the decade rolls on. 100,000 registered nurses left the workforce because of stress, burnout, and retirements coming off of the uh, worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And another 610,000 are expected to leave the profession until 2027. So if you want to be a nurse, if you are in nursing school right now, you can uh, basically write your own ticket. Well, you, you can and you can't. So let's say that there, I cannot recall a time uh, in the last 30 years where we had too many nurses. I don't think that's possible. Uh, but the quality of the job is variable. You know, the, the floor nurse is a tough job in a hospital, uh, and it requires uh, a decent amount of training. So there are plenty of jobs for nurses and different kinds of nurses, uh, but the the ceiling for nursing may be a little bit, thicker than it used to be in terms of moving up. 
And on top of that, you have to have the uh, the, the temperament and, quite frankly, the stomach uh, to be a nurse. It's not a, it's not for everybody. And I, I think the people who do uh, go into nursing as a profession and succeed at it and have a long career with it uh, just are, are are just amazing people because uh, you've probably experienced it and I've experienced it too. I mean, it's 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 it takes a special quality to do that job. Yeah, a, a good nurse really does run a lot of the healthcare needs for the average person. And they, they do that, one, because they care. Very much like someone who's a teacher, I think you have some, you can uh, draw comparisons there. But the other thing that's important to understand is, you know, if you don't have the stomach for, to your point, uh, some of the more uh, graphic and, and fluid-based interactions with patients, there's other jobs. There's medical records. Uh, there's a lot of technology now. You know, some sonography, radio, radiology, there's, there's opportunities in uh, the psychiatric element, the psychological elements, social work. Um, and then there's vocational nurses who these people all can get these certifications. In some cases, they don't even need a, uh, a, an associate's degree. But even if they have an associate's degree and you wanted to be a, a four-year nurse, they now fast-track people who have a non-nursing bachelor's degree, and you can be a full uh, registered nurse within as little as 11 to 18 months if you already have a bachelor's degree. And very quickly, Rick, it seems like the healthcare sector as a whole uh, will have a a, a very uh, urgent need for people just because of an aging population. Yeah, I mean, that it, everything that we look at, we talk about these things all the time, whether it's global warming or anything else, the technology's coming. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, nobody's getting younger. The, there are countries like Japan that have a negative population growth. We're getting older. We're having fewer children. And uh, that means there's going to be a high demand for people uh, like, you know, who need to help me fix my back. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, it's... This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The president of the Cook County Board unveils her budget proposal for the upcoming fiscal year. Construction is moving forward with a wall at the U.S. border with Mexico. It's Technology Thursday. There's an ethical debate over images generated by artificial intelligence based on the original creations of humans. Tesla's effort to install electric vehicle charging stations could prove to be a financial boon. 
noon. WBBM Business. The markets are lower. The Dow is down 117 points. The Nasdaq is down 70. And the S&P 500 is down 21. We have 69 degrees right now in Chicago. Going up to 75 today. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle proposing a $9.14 billion budget for the next fiscal year. She says she was able to close a nearly $162 million budget gap without raising or adding taxes, fines, or fees. The plan includes the elimination of hundreds of vacant jobs at the county health system. Under the proposal, 16 employees would be added at the assessor's office and at the Board of Review. 26 federal laws are being waived in Texas to allow the Biden administration to build up to 20 miles of a southern border wall. CBS News correspondent Chris Van Cleve has more on the effort to fortify an area where there's been a sharp increase in migrant crossings. Five pursuits in just a few hours. Approximately 70 miles. Chases like this. The driver crashed and made a run for it as his car caught on fire. I can't see the release. Hang on. With a migrant in the trunk. Get out. Come on. Deputies managed to get him out unhurt. Smuggling and trafficking drugs, humans, it's every day. County Sheriff Mark Daniels. Every time I hear a deputy or an officer or an agent said, we're in pursuit, my citizens are placed in danger. The sheriff says the vast majority of the more than 400 arrested are American citizens recruited by drug cartels using social media, promising would-be drivers thousands to race migrants away from the border. About 245,000 illegal entries have been recorded so far this year in the 21 counties in what's identified as the Rio Grande Valley sector. The noon business hour continues at 1232. The markets are in the red today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thank you for joining us today. And is the sell-off today a little bit of pre-jobs report jitters? Yeah, I would say that you've got it hit right on the nose. I mean, we've had a, a terrible month, terrible last three, four months in the stock and bond markets. And now we go into a jobs report that I think everybody uh, that is an investor in, in, in the U.S. stock market is, uh, is very, very uh, wary of uh, coming into it tomorrow morning. So, um, you know, right now you're seeing stocks down about a half percent or so across the board but that's just really a little bit of fear going into this this number tomorrow and we'll have to see what what uh what happens when it's released uh, at uh, 7.30 or so uh, central time tomorrow morning? It seems like uncertainty is the name of the game these days, and investors don't like uncertainty. They like certainty. And when you're in a situation where your guess is as good as mine, they get very nervous. And one area in which uh, that seems to be very apparent is in the bond market, where uh, yields are going up to levels we have not seen in 15 or 16 years, and that is as as a result, driving up the interest rate on everything. It's not just the federal funds rate. Uh, things like auto loans, mortgages, home equity lines of credit, all that stuff is determined by the bond market. And right now, that's where a lot of people are uh, are, are, are throwing their money. Right. And so what we're seeing is uh, the headline, of course, says highest in 16 years. What it doesn't tell you is that those 16 years were the lowest we've ever had in in the, in the history of U.S. financial markets, so we're coming off. We're at the high of that period, but that period was a very abnormal period that basically covers the entire period post global financial crisis. So once you go before the global financial crisis, which 
would be, I would say, would start around spring of 2007. Then you start to see normalized interest rates in the five, sixes, and sevens in the long rate. So, so what we're doing right now is just going back and kind of putting behind us that period that really was abnormal. That was the abnormal part, not this move up. Uh, the question is, how much higher are we going to go? Um, because now we are at normal rates uh, for the 30-year, for the 10-year, around 5%. Uh, that's pretty much where it, it is in, in times of low, low to, you know, low unemployment rates, which is what we have, middling kind of inflation, which is what we kind of have above where we want it, but not, not skyrocketing anymore. Um, so, the, qu- the question is, you know, where do we go from here? And we're, we're going to have to see tomorrow, as I said, everyone will be watching that report. Expectations uh, are for 160,000 uh, job gain. I think any because the pessimism is, is palpable, I, I think anything under 200,000 actually will be a relief to investors. Uh, uh, and and I think that is the better bet is that we get a jobs report that is benign enough that we can have a rally. Um, we at, at, at MJP Capital we've gotten the longest we've been in three years just this morning in anticipation of this jobs report because we do believe we're going to finally get a relief rally here. Um, I've been you know biding my time here um, waiting for a good position time to, to, to press some bets. And I thought this morning was the right time going into tomorrow's report. I just think it's uh, the overall sentiment is so negative that um, it would take a pretty, pretty dire report to not allow the market to have a relief rally. So we'll see if I'm right. Um, I don't do this very often, and, I, and this bet will only remain for a week or less, depending on what kind of move we get Friday and Monday. Uh, but, yeah, we, we think that it's a good bet to get long both bonds and stocks uh, going into the report, and uh, uh, we rarely uh, say that uh, on air with you guys. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, a discussion of the at times controversial use of artificial intelligence image generators. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and in this segment, we're putting the focus on AI image generators and some of the ethical and practical issues they create. We're joined by Matt Wren, founder and tech expert expert of VRAR in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. And I uh, want to make a confession to you right now, Matt. Uh, there are times when I'm at home and I should be doing other more important things and I just fall down the rabbit hole of playing around with the Microsoft Bing AI image generator, which is very easy to use and can be a lot of fun if you know how to set up the prompts the right way. And uh, last night I I had, uh, give me the 2023 White Sox playing at Old Comiskey Park, which has been gone for 33 years now. And some of the results were pretty striking. And yeah, that's a lot of fun, but now you're getting into potentially some copyrighted works being used uh, in these image generators. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I haven't played with the Microsoft Bing tool yet. I've, I've spent some time using Dolly and Midjourney and um, Stable Diffusion, which I, I think it's Dream Studio is what that one's called. So I've played with a bunch of them. Uh, the really one of the really fun ones, actually, my my uh, my coworker at uh, VRAR Chicago 
Um, one, we have an, we have a topic uh, for this is an event that we throw every month, and the topic next month is artificial intelligence. And so we were kind of looking for the graphic to use for that. So we went to several of the image generators and said, "Give me a self-portrait." Um, and so that was kind of a really fun one. And it's you know apparently most of the AI generators tend to think that they're a uh, you know middle-aged white male. Um, but yeah, you can you can definitely go down the rabbit hole here on what you're asking these things to generate. So it's a lot of fun. And at the same time, though, what do we've talked about before that uh, the AI programs, whether it's uh, whether it's a text program or an image program, it just draws on all of the information on the Internet that is available to it. But now we're getting into some situations where it's drawing on copyrighted material, whether it's copyrighted text from a book or copyrighted uh, images from a photographer. And how can these AI tools evolve without stealing somebody's proprietary work? That's the, that is the important question here. And it's, it's a huge question. Um, I, oddly enough, I had an uh, artist on stage last night and this topic came up. And so that is the question. Like you, you can't really train AI generative AI without feeding it millions and millions and millions of images. Obviously a lot of those images that you're going to be feeding it are copyrighted. So you know, the question, there's a lot of ethical questions here. You can go to an AI image generator right now and say, you know, draw me a, draw me a picture of the Chicago White Sox in the style of Picasso, which, you know, when you start dealing with artists who, you know, historic arts, like if I said Monet, someone who's been dead for hundreds of years, okay, you're not really stealing their style. But if I said, you know, you know my artist was on the stage last night, J.C. Rivera from Chicago, the bear champ, if I said draw me a picture in the style of bear champ and it is able to successfully do that, in just a bunch of his work and did it train itself on a lot of effectively a, a current author and could you you know what are the what are the ethical implications of a using the copyrighted stuff in the training in the very bit you know just to start and then also the ethical implications of the work that ai might be outputting and what you're going to do with it because you know is, is that affecting essentially current authors are you infringing on their copyright by saying give me something in their style and then very quickly, Matt, is there the potential to make money for an artist, for an author, by licensing their work? Because you already see the Associated Press is, uh, has, has reached uh, licensing deals with, uh, w- with certain generative AI companies. Uh, I'm guessing Getty Images might be on board with that as well. Is that one potential source of revenue is licensing all your work so it can train AI? I, I, I would assume that that is actually, that's where things are going to go. Um, Getty Images, Shutterstock, I think, are involved with that. All of Shutterstock, I believe, has their own AI image generator right now as well. Um, but yes, I would say that's something we're going to see going forward. I mean, I don't, I don't think an artist, a photographer, an artist, or anyone like that should have to explicitly say, do not train AI on my materials. Um, I think that should be implied in copyright. But ultimately, we'll see where it goes. You know, if, if that is where things are going to start going, you know, the question is, is the cat out of the bag already? Have, have some of these tools like Dolly and MidJourney and those, have they already been trained on a bunch of copyrighted material? Because if so, it's really hard to claw, you know, to claw it back. But I do see that being a possibility in the future of saying, okay, well, you know, if you want to use any of my works for training AI, then here's, here's a base fee. I could see this, you know, it, it's, there, there's similarities here to music being used for streaming services and also, frankly, nowadays, music being used for, creating generative AI for music as well. 
Matt Wren, founder and tech expert VRAR in Chicago. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Tesla is becoming the charging default for most of the electric vehicle industry. Let's get the latest from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, thank you for joining us today. And how big of a deal is it, uh, not just for Tesla itself, but for the EV space overall as it continues to evolve, that now we have seemingly one standard charging plug for every electric car? Well, we're not at quite one standard one yet, but there's no question that most of the major automakers have thrown in the towel and they're going with Tesla. You know, it's the old, if you can't beat them, you may as well join them. And they're adopting Tesla's charging standard. It's called NAX, North American Charging Standard, because it's so reliable. It's better than anything else that's out there. So why not have your customers be able to charge at the best charging system that there is in the country. And that's why they're going with Tesla. How much of a moneymaker will charging become for electric vehicles? I mean, obviously, uh, uh, oil and petroleum and gasoline, uh, some of the biggest companies in the world, because you need that to uh, to drive anywhere with the standard internal combustion engine. But is does the potential exist for the owners of charging station infrastructure to become uh, very wealthy uh, based on, uh, on the need to charge these cars? Well, look, you know, the market going to determine that, but there's absolutely chance that what are now gas stations could become EV charging stations and maybe even make more money. You know, it's, there, we're going to see big improvements in reducing the amount of time it takes to charge an EV, but it's still going to take longer. And gas stations, you know, they don't make their profits by selling gasoline. They sell things like hot dogs and cigarettes and lottery tickets. That's where the real profit is. So if somebody's going to be hanging around the charging pump, so to speak, longer than a gasoline pump, those gas stations or future charging stations have more time to make more money. Well, potentially, could that make uh, downtown parking garages, whether it's in Chicago, Detroit, or anywhere in America, a, a very lucrative thing to have? Because if you install uh, many charging stations in that garage, someone may be more likely to park there and pay your fee as a result. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think anyone who has cars parked around their buildings, you know, whether it's a shopping center, a, a grocery store, a strip mall or whatever, uh, the owners of those lots are going to be very keen in the future to have EV chargers that they could possibly make money off of. And even if they don't own the chargers themselves, they're going to be keen to offer leases to anybody that wants to put them up. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, just go to our stream. Skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.